Hey Swifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is The Zwiftcast. Coming up on this episode. A conversation with Eric Min. This discussion took place between Eric and myself in the London offices of Zwift. What you're about to hear is pretty much the unedited version. I've taken out a few ums and ers, mostly mine. And the reason I'm going with this format is I think it gives a fantastic insight into Eric, um, Eric's views on Zwift, Eric's views on the community, Eric's views on the product, Eric's views on how the company is growing, maturing and coping with the many demands placed on it, not least by us, Zwifters. So here it is, the annual Eric Min Zwiftcast interview. It's a long listen, but I think it's worth it. Welcome to the Zwiftcast to a very honoured guest, Eric Min. Hi, Eric. Hi, Simon. Um, we're in the offices, the London offices of Zwift. It's a very grey winter's day. We're surrounded by uh, screens with Zwift on, and there are 2,563 riders on right now. So I'm just going to depart from my list of questions that I had prepared for you to ask you for um, your prediction of what do you think the highest concurrent users we might see this 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 indoor season on Zwift? Um, well... Earlier this week, we we nearly touched eight thousand on Tuesday. Tuesday happens to be the most, the busiest uh, day of the week. Um, so we normally find their peaks then, um, but I think we'll probably hit about fifteen thousand. Almost double from last year. I think we were eight yeah, eight nine thousand last year. 9, well, it's it's about right. We're we're doubling every year, so that's sort of our expectation. We've um, made sure that the the servers are going to be able to handle that load. Well, you heard it here first, so let's see if we hit that number. It'd be very, uh, very good if we did. Okay, well, let's start the interview proper, um, Eric, in the, in the kind of time-honored fashion, which is the Zwift scorecard. We've done this for the past three years, actually. In 2016, you gave Zwift two out of ten in terms of potential achieved. Last year, it had gone up to three and a half. And now, if the graph was linear, would be oh, at least five out of ten by now. Where, where do you think we are? Well, I think we're probably still around, you know, four, four and a half. Um, I think uh, I think last year has all been about building the team. We've nearly doubled in size. That doesn't, generally speaking, that doesn't always equa- equate to double the amount of work that comes out of the company. Um, hiring is tough and just absorbing the number of people that we we onboarded in the last 12 months has been a, a challenge but we're investing for the years ahead of us and so um, I'd say we took a little bit of a hit in terms of you know our own expectations about what we could deliver um, but that's because we're investing in in the team when you say you took a bit of a hit what, what what's happened what's not happened that might have happened well it's just we're building new teams and um, adding new team, new members of the teams, and um, inevitably it slows things down. Um, and we need to do this all the while servicing our existing customers. Uh, so there have been just challenges internally. This is part of uh, what happens when, when we grow. We'd rather grow slower in terms of output um, than to rush things out the door. Um, the last thing. I'd want to do is build something that we we um, we found wasteful. I'd rather not deliver it at all. So we've been really careful in in managing um, you know what comes out of the company, whether it's in terms of marketing or or product. Um, 
So you know, we talk a lot about let's do fewer and bigger things than do lots of small things. Give me an example where you think Zwift's overperformed. I think um, that's a tough one, but I think it goes back to what I said earlier. We, we, we're very focused on what we know we need to do. Um, of course, we'd like to do those things faster, but I, I think we, we've stayed really on course in terms of what we think are the priorities for the business. And the priority is, is creating a stable experience um, and um, just in, investing in growth. With growth comes a stable business, stable business comes you know, the resources that we can continue to reinvest into the business. So for, for, for those, and I think it probably is a small number of Swifters, but, but we've described them before as a kind of canaries on the coal mine um, on the Swiftcast. Those, those who've been around a long time and are perhaps a little bit impatient with the pace of development, what, what, what do you say to those Swifters? And I accept it's a relatively small number, but they do have quite loud voices. I'm, I'm with them on certain things. Um, I wish we can move faster than we have. Um, but to say that we're not doing anything behind the scenes would be an, an inaccurate statement. We're definitely making investments. There's some areas uh, that uh, are just difficult and more challenging for us to do. I'll give you an example. We do have a relatively small uh, game development team, the one that John runs. Um, I mean, we are literally competing with the AAA video game companies like um, Electronic Arts and um, uh, uh, Amazon and Tesla and Google, all of these companies are chasing the same talent we are. So it's incredibly difficult to, to find the talent that we need to, to do all the things that we want. So we have to be very careful in, in the things that we do pick. Um, and it is getting easier and easier as we become an established brand um, it is definitely, uh, we're definitely seeing more resumes, uh, but even that team, you know, is probably a dozen and we wish it were, you know, twice that size. Let's talk a little bit about Eric, because you're, you're very visible in the company. People know you, people ride with you. You've led the Thanksgiving Day ride uh, yesterday. Um, so just describe a typical day in your life, Eric, and, and in doing that, Try to give us a bit of an insight into how you balance the, I'm sure, many priorities you've, you've got to deal with in your role as CEO. Well, you know, Zwift never sleeps. Um, when I wake up, California, mostly John, is still up. <laughs> um, Asia's already up. Uh, we have people on the ground in, in Asia. Um, and then it just it just never sleeps. But for me... I think uh, the priority as, as, um, as someone who's leading Zwift, it's really about setting the sort of the overall vision of, of the business, which hasn't changed since, since we started, which is to get more people to be more active more often. I mean, really, that is something that we don't ever expect to change. What will change is probably the product around it to support that vision. Um, and so my, my responsibility to, is to make sure that we have the resources to see it through. We're building a business that we hope will last decades, not just a few years. And um, that just requires a, a lot of resource capital. It requires human capital. Uh, so I need to be selling not only to investors, but to the people who eventually end up joining the company at, at, at the senior level in, in this case. So um, I'm out there selling the vision, selling the business, 
to ensure that we can see this business through, um, which we think will take some time. This is not a um, let's build a business quickly and flip it and then move on to something else. I think, um, you know, if, you, if it's not obvious, many of us are very passionate about what we do. Um, they join this business because they buy into the mission. And I would say that's true of our investors, it's true of our partners, true of the community. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, the, you know, for, for many of us, we have, we have um, I think Zwift, for many of us, is a, is a defining um, professional avenue for growth. So that's interesting. It sounds like you spend a lot of your time finding the money, and we'll talk a little bit about money later, and finding the best people. And, and that suggests perhaps something about your, your management style. I mean, how would you describe your management style? Are you the kind of leader who puts the team together and allows them to get on with it? Or do you, do you micromanage? No, I, I think, um, I think uh, what I'm probably good at is convincing people to, to follow me. But in the end, they're the ones who actually deliver. Um, so it's really uh, for them to, to teach me you know, what it takes to actually deliver on this vision. Um, so, no, I don't micromanage them. Um, I think many of the, the senior members of our team in their own right could start their own businesses, but they choose to use Zwift as a platform to, for their own, you know, furthering their own per- career um, um, growth, professional growth, and to, because they're, they're also, you know, passionate about the, the mission. And um, so I think it checks the boxes for, for many. Uh, but my management style is very much hands-off, um, and um, I, I am just surrounded by extremely talented people who are far stronger in, in their respective you know, silo of, of expertise. So it is about getting the right ingredients for the correct recipe and to some extent allowing it to cook itself. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, look, we have business objectives, we have company objectives, and so everyone can have a fair amount of freedom in doing what they've been hired to do. But at the end of the day, we all have to meet those corporate objectives, and that is around growth. So as long as we continue to grow, and at the pace that we think is reasonable, then I think everyone's doing a, a fine job. I think you probably answered this question, but I'll ask it again. Do, do you revisit the, the mission, as, as you, you often describe it? Do you revisit that often, or, or, or is it something that you feel is set now and it's all about execution? It is set. And like, I think we'll look back 30 years from now, and that, that mission will, will still be there. It's, it's a simple mission, um, and... Um, I think th- many things might change about the business, but that mission won't change. And, and the, an extension of the mission or a deepening of the mission has been the introduction of running. Right. Is it working, Eric? Running's been around for probably over a year now, a uh, year and a half perhaps. But we did a soft launch back in February. And um, we, uh, it was, it was uh, a launch in New York City immediately we found out that people were struggling to find foot pods. And that's what prompted us to just hold back on the marketing and go out and solve the problem. And just coincidentally, we happened to come across Milestone, 
as an opportunity for us to to own it and because it you know I, I think of the footpod the Bluetooth footpod as the M plus dongle it's an enabling device so we thought okay if, if, if we want running to be successful we'll probably be the largest reseller of, of these footpods we probably should own that strategically it makes sense um, and then we could offer a great product at the most affordable price so we decided to to make that transit transaction we uh, we acquired the IP we we um, brought on the entire team and then we spent the last few months creating um, the the firmware updating it so that it is responsive to Zwift it was originally designed for outdoor running um, and so uh, we needed to do some work with, with the milestone team to make it uh, suitable for indoor running. And we've, we've done that. The second part is actually to get receipt of these, these footpods. So um, 20,000 footpods arrived in California about two weeks ago. And so that, which coincided with uh, the launch of our e-commerce platform for North America, it's, yeah, we're ready now to finally launch this business in a proper way. Um, I don't expect us to, uh, for it to become a, um, a paid service for some time. I think there's a playbook that we can work with based on how we grew the cycling business. And what's missing is, is, is this community. Um, and so our goal over this winter is let's build a, the largest running community, interactive running community on Zwift. Um, so we're prepared to sell up to 50,000 of these units this winter. So I, so I think what you're saying is that running, you've kind of held back on running because because the pod, the right foot pod, wasn't available. Now it is. Therefore, it's probably too early to answer the running question, is it working? Well, I, th I think uh, we're super optimistic about the running business. We've done the homework. We've done the research. We've done the pricing. We, we sort of have a good idea of how, how to price it. So it's all there. Um, we know... Uh, what's lacking at the moment is the community, the marketing. People need to find out about Zwift Run. Um, but we have a pretty large try audience within, within our community. So I think we'll tap into to that community and work with them to create content. There'll be a, a, another community all around running. Um, and then I think it will uh, sort of grow, we hope, in the way that cycling has, has grown. Look, runners are social people, social animals as well. It's not just the cyclists. Mm. And so it's just a matter of, of time and effort creating this community and then having the community want to organize itself and then want to create content for their own community. Um, but to answer your question, we think it'll be just as big as cycling as a business. Mm. Interesting. Rowing, how far away? Uh, rowing is still, I'd say, you know, a year out perhaps, um, and it's just a matter of priority. Uh, it's something that, that I know uh, we're very interested in. It's just, you know, there are other things which are just more important, which is cycling and running. Um, but I know that John is already thinking very much about rowing. Uh, we've had conversations with federations. Um, and rowing is not this massive market, but there is a there is a very very vibrant indoor market already. Crash bees, right? Um, so could we become the platform for this indoor rowing market? Absolutely, 
I mean, I just, you know, I'm surprised that someone hasn't, someone doesn't own that space yet. But, um, um, and as soon as we make our way into the rowing market, I can only imagine that we'll, uh, we'll encourage innovation around rowing machines. So rowing machines just haven't, you know, innovated in, in, in years because there hasn't been a need to. I think we're about to change that. And I think you probably covered this in the first answer, but I'm going to ask anyway. Are you hitting the targets for subscribers? Are you happy with growth? Targets, um, we have, uh, I have my own targets and my targets are probably overly aggressive. <laughs> so whatever numbers we're chasing now is always, you know, falls below my, my personal targets. But I think that we're, we're growing at a pretty good clip. Uh, we've been doubling every year, and that's not easy to do, and that won't happen forever. Um, but do I think we can continue to grow and, and have a community of, of millions of subscribers? Yeah, absolutely. This is exactly what you know our team has signed up to. This is what our investors have signed up to. And it's just you know, a matter of working through all the, the friction points the whole concept of, of fitness served in the home is, is, a, is not going anywhere, right? We're just at the beginning of that. And it's just a matter of working through all the friction points that's stopping people from actually choosing to subscribe to it. Um, you told me last year churn was 16%. To be honest, I wasn't quite sure what that meant. I think possibly it meant 16% of users quit at some point and some of those came yeah. back. I mean, has that reduced or increased, Erica? Did, particularly this summer, yeah. did that see a big fall off, you know, I partly because of the price increase last November? Yeah, no, I don't think it has anything to do with the price increase. So it's hard to describe what churn is in our business because many, um, not many, but some certainly will pause and come back. And um, so we did see a big pickup in Europe this past, you know, last year. Um, Germany being, you know, the, 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 the territory that's really driving the rest of Europe. Um, and they tend to be more seasonal. Um, they have beautiful roads in, in the summertime. In the wintertime, you just can't ride outside. Um, having said that, I think, you know, our goal is to uh, find a, create a, an experience that's relevant year-round, right? Um, and, and complementary. It's, you, you shouldn't have to choose between indoor and outdoor riding. Um, we should be relevant even in the dead of summer. So that's, for, that's on us. That's on us and this is why we've continued to uh, choose to, to stay a, a, a monthly product rather than an annual product because we want to earn, you know, earn your fees every month. And until we figure out what that is, um, um, you know, we, we just won't give up. The problem with annual plans is that you can get lazy. Yeah, well, we'll talk about annual plans because there's been a slightly curious product launch that I'm not sure many people understand about the annual plan, but we'll get to that shortly. But you, you didn't really answer the question there, Eric. I mean, and I, I know the ambition is to, is to make Zwift a year-round product. But, but, you know, are you seeing a big dip seasonally? And, and has it got worse? No, not, not, not really, not really. It's, uh, our, our, our business generally grows from, you know, March to, um, uh, sorry, from October to March. 
and that's our onboarding season. Makes sense, right? If you're new to indoor cycling, this is when you, you show up, because largely because of the weather or because lack of daylight. Um, but uh, they don't all disappear in the summertime. Vast majority of them decide to stay. And, um, and what we're finding is that the, 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 sum, the winters are getting longer from our business perspective, and the summers are getting shorter. Right. Which is, people are staying longer. Yeah, which is, which is what we want. Yeah. And so it's important for us to continue to be an active platform um, in, in, you know, in the spring and into the summer. I think in the first couple of years of our business, we basically shut off marketing when we went into the summer. Right, we just said okay, we'll we'll focus on sort of yeah. next fall, but we can't do that right. because there there are plenty of reasons why you would still want to use Swift in the summertime, and we just need to keep creating content and and, and reasons for you to keep coming back, not to entirely replace outdoor riding, just simply to complement it. Yeah, I mean, I know there's lots and lots of ways to skin a particular cat using numbers, but let, let's try and keep things simple. Is Swift profitable? <laughs> No, far from profitable. And that's by design. Um, we are investing in this space. Um, could we be profitable? Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it would be at the expense of growth. So we're investing every, every bit of revenue that we have back into the business and some. We will continue to lose money uh, for the foreseeable future, but that's okay. That's part of the strategy. Um, so, uh, and there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. I mean, public sources, you, you can go on the internet and find relatively easily that, that, that Zwift, according to the internet, has raised $44 million so far in funding. I mean, is, is that broadly correct? And, and uh, are you raising more capital? And can you talk any kind of figures on the ambition you've got on the amount of capital you want to raise? Yeah, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you're always raising capital. <laughs> it never stops, right? Um, and absolutely, we will be raising more capital because we need the resources to, to continue to invest in the business. Um, there's so many areas of investments that we can, we can make, and we're just limited by um, capital and, and manpower. And how hard is that sell? How, how difficult is the pitch? I mean, are you, are, you, are, you, are you going back to the original investors? Are you seeking new investors? Um, you're always seeking new investors and you hope that the existing investors participate in subsequent rounds. And that's that's the, the nature of the, the business. Um, but is it hard? I mean, you know, I think there are lots of businesses chasing capital. The good news is that there's also a lot of capital. Um, and I think we've got something really unique to, to offer to, to investors. Um, and I think there are plenty of investors who can who can get behind what we're doing. I think some may question the, the scale of what we think is the opportunity in terms of the, you know, the total addressable market. We think it's huge. We think it's huge because at the moment we're going after a, a market of roughly 40 million, let's say competitive cyclists and competitive cycling enthusiasts. But you know, I think over time you can, you're going to see our community grow 
and there'll be different cohorts of, of communities, some focus on running, other focus on rowing, and then there'll be yet another focus on, you know, just wanting to do all those things. And, and then that's where we kind of get into the general fitness. And there'll, there'll be another cohort that's focused on like, let, let, you know, let, let's, let's experience something more gamey and less what Zwift looks like today. So like I said earlier, our mission isn't going to change, but the product will. So say you were raising money at the moment, how much might you be looking to raise in the next as round? As much as possible. Because, you know, it's always good to have those resources. Yeah, okay. I think that's the best answer I'm going to get on that question. Um, just say you did raise lots more money. Where, where do you see the big growth areas? How, you know, where, where are you prioritizing for growth? Well, I think, I think cycling is such a great experience. And um, we're finally seeing, you know, after two years of us telling the manufacturers, you, you've got to build a smart bike. Um, they're finally bringing it to market. And so we're super excited about the, for example, the Tax Neo bike. Um, and, and I'm sure other uh, manufacturers will come out with their own smart bikes. There'll be other brands that will come out with smart bikes. I can, I can probably think of six or seven companies coming out with smart bikes, which is super exciting. So that suggests, sorry to interrupt, but that suggests that one of the big growth areas continues to be cycling. You still think there are enough cyclists who don't Zwift? Yes. Cycling is such a, well, indoor cycling, indoor bike in particular, is such a great fitness machine. Anyone could ride it. I mean, at the age of five to the age of 100, Right, so that, that, that bike can service so many different customers. And because you're pedaling, you have access, you know, you, you have access to your hands and so you can interact with the game, whether it's shifting or using the mobile app or the keyboard, um, it just makes the whole experience that much more uh, engaging. And the third thing is it's just safe, right? Unlike a treadmill, um, treadmill can be dangerous, so you have to be careful. Um, Rowing, again, is, is also safe, but you've given up your hands now, right? So cycling is just perfect. And I, I don't see cycling um, not becoming not being interesting in, in, for the foreseeable future. So, and there's enough growth left in the market. Oh, yeah. I mean, so if you then, you know, if you look beyond the cycling community, right, which we're t like squarely focused on right now, if you look beyond that and you assume that every household is subscribing to some sort of fitness. The best machine for that home is a bike that can be shared with other, you know, other members of the family. And it's a, it's, a, it's a smart bike that doesn't belong in a shed or in the garage or in the basement. It belongs in the family room, right? I, you know, I think it's just a question of like, how, how low can that price be so that it's accessible to the masses? Right. Right. And at so, twenty five hundred dollars or whatever three thousand whatever whatever the you know the current market price might be, is not that product. Yeah. Not today, but I think in the future, yeah, I think that we can create a product for, for you know, a, a price point that everyone can afford and offer financing on top of that. Then suddenly you've got something that can really go after a much broader. Uh, playing field. So all those cyclists who see running and rowing coming along and think, oh my goodness me, they're going to neglect my great passion and first love and the birth of Swift, that, that, that's misplaced. Yeah, yeah so th that is seriously misplaced because 
all of the infrastructure that we built for cycling, it's just an incremental investment to support it for running, an incremental investment to support it for rowing. All of those things just slide in nicely. And then there'll be a, there'll be a fourth experience. I don't know what that is, but it and again, we'll just use the same infrastructure. Um, Zwift, we've seen historically, has been strongest in the UK, the US, uh, the US and, and Australia. You've, you've mentioned Germany already as a big growth area, but, but that, that leaves a lot of the rest of the world. How, how are you doing globally? Um, so happy to share this. Uh, uh, North America is about 40% of our business. Europe, including the UK, is about 40%, and 20% is Asia and, and the Southern Hemisphere. Um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. And so what we need to do is just invest across. Now, having said this, we only do business in English. Yeah. Right? So imagine if we did business in other languages like German or Japanese. So clearly those are opportunities for us. Um, what's also been holding us back is having an e-commerce platform. We, we, we um, you know, we spend a lot of resources bringing people to our website only to find out that we actually don't sell anything that you actually need to Zwift, <laughs> right? It has been noticed. <laughs> yeah, it has been noticed. So finally, you know, with the launch of our e-commerce platform, which, was, which we, um, we, we hired someone from Nike who has built platforms for the last 15 years to help us create this platform that can be rolled out globally. So within the next six months, We'll be offering, you know, uh, anything that you need to Zwift to, I think, will hit probably over 90% of our, where our customers are today. So, again, that's going to help us on the growth side, right? It's just going to make it easier. Most consumers are super lazy. I'm one of those, right? Just tell me what to buy, right? And I'll buy it, right? So we need to just... Take advantage of the fact that most consumers are lazy, want to be told exactly what to buy, and, and we're in a great position to tell you exactly what you need, given your preferences, whether it's about you know, your budget or about you know, specific qualities of, of your needs, silence, right? Do you want to wheel on and wheel off? And so we're going to help you narrow down the, the product selection. In this phrase that we've talked a lot about before, that reduces friction. I can see that the smart bike, particularly if prices drop, reduce friction. But if you're not tech savvy, Eric, and you're not, you know, you, you don't have a huge amount of, of, of spare money to, to spend on getting yourself set up for Zwift, there is still quite a lot of friction around getting on Zwift. Is there anything else can be done to reduce that? You can buy a smart trainer for under 300 quid in the UK. You can go to Halfords and buy a tax flow. I think that's what it's called for 279 pounds. <laughs> so is that too expensive? I'm not so sure that's too expensive. I think that's reasonable. Well, I think the market is actually well serviced yeah. by price bands for smart trainers. Right. Uh, but I think my point was, you still see on Swift riders, I'm tearing my hair out, yeah. but my ANT dongle has exploded or my avatar's spinning in circles. You know, I mean, we've all seen those posts right. and felt for them because we know how frustrating it is. And that suggests to me that there still is yeah. an amount of friction around the experience. I mean, how can, how can that be addressed? 
it is uh, uh, it pains me when I read yeah. in social media about someone struggling because something doesn't isn't working. I mean, I've seen um, you even respond personally to that. Yeah, no, because I feel for them, right? Um, and I think you know the the path that we chose, which is let's um, just become uh, a platform, leveraging the hardware by the obvious platform, you know, whether it's Apple or, or Samsung or, or PC and Mac. Um, and then, then the same applies for the trainers. Um, you, you do that because you can go after as many people as possible, right? But the flip side to that is now you've got to deal with all the complexities of interoperability. And so that's the path we've chosen versus a closed system, right? Where we, you, from us, you buy everything, the console, the trainer, and the app. And so we've just decided to go down the first path, which is let's just make it easier. Let's not force people to buy you know, more than they actually need to. Um, and so that's the challenge. So how do we just continue to, you know, uh, make that experience better? There's still ways to go. And I'm not saying we're done. So it's something you're very conscious of and you've got absolutely. people working on all Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Like until my parents can get on Zwift by themselves, you know, we haven't cracked that nut. Yeah. And there's a, Schwinn, a $500 Schwinn bike in our e-commerce store which I'm going to send to my parents for, for Christmas. <laughs> and the only thing they have to do is put their iPad on there, download you know, Zwift and create the account. <laughs> the Eric Parent test. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they get on. Um, where's the Zwift smart bike at, Eric? I mean, if such a thing exists. I mean, we know about the deal Virtue Pro. We also know that, <laughs> to hark back to the friction thing, there appears to be a little bit of friction around that. Partnership. I mean, they've made no secret that the, the relationship is, or, or some people at VirtuePro have made no secret of the fact that the relationship is a, is a little rocky there with that, yeah. that particular acquisition of, of the IP. What, what's happening there, Eric? What's, you know, what's going on? Um, I think they just like a little bit of drama that we'd like <laughs> to avoid. Um, but ultimately, we've, we've got a license um, to, to their IP, and um, it's just an option. And, and to simplify things for, for people who are not following the story in as much detail as we do, that, that, that would enable you to build, market and sell a Zwift smart bike. Do you think that would happen? I would say we prefer not to do that. Um, and I've been very open with our partners, manufacturing partners, that we want them to create the products that will help our growth. And if they can't help us, then we're going to have to help ourselves. Okay, so in so in some senses, this could be a bit of leverage over over those 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 people. Um, well, I wouldn't call it leverage, but it's we're being just very honest about what we need in order to grow our business, mm. and selling three thousand smart bikes will only get so far. Yeah. So in other words, get on with making an affordable smart bike, or well, we or so, we'll yeah, do it. I mean, I, but I think we're seeing that with the smart trainers, right? It's coming down in price, right? Every, you know, if you look at that, there's a nine hundred dollar price point now for a mid range. Um, a direct drive trainer, right? So the, the natural competitive forces are making the prices come down. And so we're just at the beginning of the smart bikes, which, you know, it's taking two years to come to market. So we need to see the market move quicker. 
And to some extent, they owe that to you, don't they, really? I mean, you have revolutionised and transformed the business of, of these companies. I mean, should they not have kind of delivered what you wanted a bit sooner? I think they are. And I think, I think you know, to be very honest, we definitely have... Um, we definitely have driven this market. And I don't think there's any single manufacturer who would, would disagree with you. Yeah. Just because our sheer marketing of the space, you know, we're the ones spending all the marketing dollars to promote yeah. promote the space. So there's no disagreement there. Um, so really, the, the uh, getting back to this smart bike idea, it's really, I'd say, I don't know, maybe a couple of years away. But... You know, we'd like for our, our partners to move quickly into introducing a, you know, sort of the premium product, but then work your way down to something that really the mass market uh, can, can afford. Uh, but a smart bike, I think the Neo bike is priced around three th- 2500 or It's too much. It's, for most people, it's too for much. For most people, it's too much, but there are a ton of people who've spent 3000 dollars on wheels yeah yeah. so they're they're going after that market which is perfectly fine but that is not going to help drive meet our growth targets and so we need that more affordable uh product and uh, you know we've been very frank with with uh with them and they may never make that more affordable bike in which case then we, we have to take some action on our, on our own well that's a really interesting tactic very interesting to hear that um Around this time, well, very close to this time last year, actually, the, the price increase, I'm, I'm calling it a storm, and actually it was a bit of a storm, Eric, actually. I mean, it, you know, it, it created a lot of, well, let's, let's call it friction. You know, it created a lot of noise. In retrospect, do you think you handled that as well as you could have done? I think when you look at anything in retrospect, you could make improvements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so to answer that question... Yeah, I mean, I think I think we could have done a better job. Um, do I regret, you know, increasing the prices? No, we we needed to do that, and just uh, we needed to rebase the, the the subscription because I think we we offer that value, um, and as painful it might be for some um, and all the noise that came out of that some valid some i think not valid at the end of the day i think the customers are voting with their wallets and um we haven't seen an impact yeah not nothing nothing noticeable and what that allows us to do is just reinvest in the business goes back to us just making sure that we've got the resources to just keep this thing a sustainable business and i I think people understand that but I'm not going to leave the price thing alone a bit because it, it, it is very sensitive, um, bizarrely, when, you know, many Zwifters will spend many, many, many thousands of dollars on their, on their outdoor bike and not blink. But anyway, that's, you know, that's where we are. I mean, I, I, I think I spend probably that amount on coffee every day. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very difficult to understand, but nonetheless, it does exist. There's something psychologically about subscription payments that, gets people. I don't quite know what it is, but but it's there. Now, as part of the e-commerce store launch in America, you can buy an annual subscription for Zwift, which is the same as 12 times the monthly fee. I mean, what's going on there? Why would anybody buy? As a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift card more than anything else. 
I see. So yeah. that's what it's aimed at. Now, there have been some kind of conspiratorial voices saying, well, obviously what this means is that Zwift are going to uh, increase prices again and this is a hedge against it. Is, yeah. is that categorically no, not no, the no. case? Look, I, I think um, we w- waited three years to increase the price from 10 to 15. We're not going to raise prices for a while. Right. To, to say that we will never raise prices, would, I'd, be, I'd be lying, yeah. right? Because things do get more expensive. And I'd like to think that we'll continue to add more value, not less. Yeah. Okay. Now, the e-commerce platform, it's been referenced already a couple of times during the conversation, but I want to just ask you about it specifically, because it looks to me as though that is a really, really significant thing to happen. Um, I mean, the first point is the kind of number and range of trainers on sale was very surprising to me. I mean, that must have meant constructing relationships with, well, not constructing, but dealing with relationships with all those trainer manufacturers because you are now a, another sales channel. And I know these things don't happen easily. I'm sure you were you you were probably struck a hard bargain on, on pricing with, with, with some of them. I mean, how difficult was that to achieve? It was actually fairly straightforward. I mean, we, uh, we have those relationships already. Um, and I'm not so sure that we're getting any special treatment. Um, but do I think we're going to be one of the biggest channels, retail channels for, for all these manufacturers? A- absolutely. And they know that too. So, um, uh, you know, it was just a, it was a question of when, not, not if. Yeah. Um, and the way we built our business, we chose to build out the e-commerce business now instead of perhaps day one (laughs) (laughs) in hindsight huh should we have done that from day one yeah probably we should have done that (laughs) i mean one of the purposes as as we previously previously discussed is to reduce some friction and offer some options and offer some guidance and helping hands to people to to potential swifters but how significant could the e-commerce side of the business be in terms of generating revenue? I mean, could that be a very, very big revenue earner for you, potentially? Probably not, because that's the focus. I mean, the e-commerce is there, uh, certainly not to lose money, but it's there really to to smoothen the, the entire customer onboarding journey, right? Um, and and yes, it will be a, a, a business in its own right, but that's not the primary reason. The primary reason is just to create a better experience for the customer. Um, let's again, we have we have talked about it briefly, but let's let's return to it. The, the the pace of development, Eric. I mean, I get the sense from just watching your body language that you are like many Zwifters, and you really, really, really would like things to happen faster than they do. It, it, is that the case? I mean, ask guys. It's an obvious question, and probably with a very obvious answer. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the obvious answer is that uh, yeah, I, I wish we can have more f- quicker. But but you know, we we do have constraints, and it goes back to the resources that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, those are pro- those are problems that that are being solved, and it's just a manpower question. And so, given the manpower, we have to be extremely careful in what we choose to do. There's a menu of a hundred things we can do. And if we do one thing, it's, it's something else we can't do. These are really difficult choices that we, we have to make. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it, it, is, it is a tough thing. I think uh, now that we've got the, you know, the, the, the team is, uh, is double the size of last year. Now, this is not the game team yet, but 
um, just across the board, we are a bigger company. Um, we're in a position where we can hire more talent. Um, I do expect us to to produce more on a on a more uh, better higher cadence. Okay. Um, I I have no excuse other than. Um, it's not that the team isn't busy. They're, in fact, they're working overdrive. It's just hard to see, you know, see the output of that. Yeah. I saw this phrase on social. It really struck home to me. I don't know whether you saw it and whether it strikes home to you when I repeat it to you now. New roads are not new features. What, what, what do you make of that? I mean, it's pretty vicious, but actually there's, a, there's more than a grain of truth in it. Yeah. No, I think there's some truth to that. Um, you know, I, th- I think roads are, I think roads are important. Absolutely. You need more roads, right? And we'll continue to invest in roads. But we also need to invest in gameplay or features. And so we're, we're definitely um, going to see more of that coming down the pipe before, before Christmas. Um, so there's a few pieces of work that's been in the works, that have been rumored, I think we'll see those things land before before Christmas. So very excited about that. Um, but we have, we definitely have, uh, you know, John has organized his team so that, um, you know, both things should be able to move in parallel going forward. There's a lot of investment that we've made in, in the tools to create new worlds, which rely less and less on, on the developers. So the developers can continue to build out features and not, get too involved with the man. Okay. I mean, I know every listener to the podcast is begging me for you, you know, to, to ask the question, what are those features and when are they coming? I'm, I'm actually not going to do that because because I know I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll probably get soon. And, you know, soon has become a bit of a kind of comic, yeah. comical meme yeah. on Swift. Now, do you find, how do you react? Yeah, I mean, it's it's true. We've, we've pushed things back and we think for good reasons but ones that are just difficult to comprehend for, for the community. I think where we've failed um, or have done a poor job is just communicating with the community about where we are, just, a, you know, just that engagement. Um, and I think this is because we've, we've just been so focused on growth um, and, um, and, and we've been busy doing that. And I, th- I think as, also as, as a community, gets bigger, it's it's not as easy to just drop into social media and just say a few things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, it's a slightly ad hoc approach. Yeah. And I'm actually, we'll talk yeah. about the communications thing in yeah. a minute because I do think that's important. But just going back to features requests, somebody else said something to me which is the kind of opposite view, really, which is you don't go to the movies and expect to be able to influence the ending of the film. D- do you corporately get a little bit annoyed with the kind of vocality and the intensity from the Zwift community about demanding what the product looks like. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I say, you don't go to a movie and get to influence the ending. So, yeah. you know. I think I think um, we do get feedback. We do listen. I mean, we, okay, we do hear everyone yeah. voicing their wants. We know that. And some things we agree with, some things we don't. Um, and it might take us a little bit longer to process it and then incorporate it into the roadmap. But um, you know, we, definitely, we definitely hear what people are asking for. 
And we make that conscious decision and we probably do a bad job of communicating where we stand on that point and have a, you know, a healthy conversation around. And I think this is where um, we, you know, at least internally, I would like to see us have like an annual community event right. where we can come together. I mean, I think we're big enough now yeah. where we can gather everyone together once a year and have, you know, just talk about what's on the roadmap. I think that will, that will yeah. be very, very, yeah, very we need a, a formal, you know, yeah. uh, event like, like that. Like a Zwift convention or... Exactly, exactly. Where we can bring, you know, the manufacturers and, and the manufacturers can talk about the hardware innovation they want to make and show off their products and, you know, essentially our own show. Back to the features thing. Yeah. I mean, again, I think you've probably answered this question and I'm going to summarise it. You, you hear what people say, you agree with some of it, you don't agree yeah. with it, with, but the stuff you do agree with you just haven't had a chance to do. There are, there are some great ideas, some fantastic ideas coming out of the community that, um, that we want to do. It's, uh, and in many cases, it's not a question of when, uh, you know, when it's, it's, sorry, it's not a question of if, it's a question of you know, when can we slot that in given everything else. Finally on this, because I, I know it must be frustrating for you to talk about, but finally on this, Snap your fingers and one feature appears in game tomorrow. What would it be? Yeah, well, look, it's, it's the Ghost Rider um, that I can compete with for my, on my yeah. PR segments for sprints. Yeah. I need a sprint partner. Yeah. I want that sprint partner to be me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ghost Rider must be one of the most yeah. long-standing, yeah. most requested yeah. features. Yeah. So, um, and I think John knows that as well. John knows that. So... It goes back to, look, we, we hear what everyone's asking for, um, and it's just, uh, you know, where does that sit in the, in the priority of things? There's so much, there's features, there's infrastructure, infrastructure work that no one ever sees, and no one gets, and we don't get credit for. <laughs> the game is, you know, I like to think it's just rock solid. I mean, you know, it has been rock solid for some time. And that, that's investment that we made. That's, that's time and energy that, that um, kept us from adding features. Just, just harking back a little bit to the way you communicate with the community. I mean, I, I think the idea of a Zwift convention sounds great, but, you know, it might only be annually. It's inevitably going to be geographically constraining for, for, yeah. for some people. Is, is there not an argument for... Uh, and I think I've made, I've made this pitch to the leadership team myself, you know, because I was kind of asked to say a few things. And I, and I you know, I said, you need a regular friendly dialogue through a single channel, which people know where it is, with, with the community. I mean, do, do, do you think that that is a need and, and could it be addressed? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, how to strike that balance is something that we have to figure out. Um, and um, you know I'm 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 in the community and I'm exposing my my personal profile. Not everyone at our company wants to you know expose their personal profile in this community, and so there is that privacy concern that we have to respect. Um, so having said that, I th I think there is there is an opportunity. And um, going back to your point about having some sort of some sort of forum. I think it makes sense. The challenge is we, we still have to manage expectations, yeah. but at least there is a dialogue of some sort. Okay. Okay. So I, to answer your question, yes, yes, no. we, should, we should act on that. Um, 
and, and I, I will I will leave this after this. But yeah. people are super super interested in the way that the product is is going to develop. In two years' time, yeah. how different do you think Zwift might look? Not 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 just in its visual look, but in the way that the, the, the players interact with it and gameplay and skills based stuff. I think a lot of it um, will come down to some accessories that might become available. I think steering is something that I think will will just add to the entire experience. We saw the Wahoo climb. Um, I don't know how people feel about that, but I think that's still kind of early days. Um, who knows what the smart bikes uh, might offer? But steering is sort of the obvious thing. Like if we added steering, how would that change? You know the the whole experience. Now we 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 see cyclists. Um, I think going forward, they might change, but it's probably a different world. I don't expect that to be this world. Okay, explain, I, explain that. Well, I think we can have different maps for different experiences. Right. Right. Okay. So if we, you know, we're still at the tip of the, the pyramid of, of potential customers, and these are cyclists or triathletes or runners, and as we go further down, um, it could be more Mario Kart. I think it could look completely different, right. and it'll be a different world. Okay, so this could have been what John was referring to when he talked about experimental, small experimental maps that maybe offered something very different from the mains of yeah, experience. Yeah, 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 exactly. It could be completely different. We need to experiment. For sure, we need to experiment before we, we make massive investments in, in this area. I'm sorry, listeners, I'm just not going to ask Eric. I, I'm not, on your behalf, going to ask Eric, when are we getting a velodrome? When are we getting X? When are we getting Y? Because it's, it's, just, a kind of, it's just a kind of pointless game, really. We can't, you know, I mean, I, I think the purpose of this conversation is to get broad direction, and I think you've, you, you've given that very effectively. So let's, let, let's move on from that. Um, let's talk a bit about the competition, Eric. I mean, I think it's fair to say that the few competitors that are out there, they're not really making a lot of noise. They're not really wowing uh, the indoor cycling world with fantastic new features um, it's been pretty quiet beginning of the new season for, for 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 the rivals or the competitors however you might want to describe them they've not had much to say it seems to me but there is one new competitor who's making a lot of noise and promising lots of things and the question I want to ask you about that really is how uptight or otherwise, I know you don't normally get uptight, you're a very calm guy, but how uptight or otherwise do you get watching a competitor trying to build a business basically using the Zwift community? Well, you know, um, I'm, I'm just fascinated by it, just like everyone else, you know. I'm curious about their product strategy, about their marketing strategy, about the content and... Um, but, you know, as I said last year, the year before, um, there's a hu huge difference between a project and a business. Yeah. And there's, it, it's, it's complicated. So I, I, you know, we welcome competition. I think it keeps us on our toes. I'd love to see what they build. I'd love to see what the others have, are building because these are things that, you know, we should be looking out for. Absolutely. But marketing it through the Zwift community that yeah, Zwift has built. Not, well, look, um, you Zwift know, it's not, it's not something I would do, let's say. Like, I'm not going to go into, you know, their Facebook group and start promoting Zwift. Like, I, I don't think we need to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a free world. 
you do whatever you want. <laughs> um, but uh, it's not it's not something that we I would certainly condone within our own team. Right. I mean, the rivals do have a mountain to climb, probably bigger than Elder Swift. I mean, it's a huge mountain climb to to, to mountain to climb to to to. to mount a serious challenge to Zwift. I think that's widely acknowledged, probably even by them. But could they take chunks out of Zwift and hurt you in in specific areas? Um, Potentially. I mean, I think we should should be following this very carefully. Um, And to think that Zwift is not interested in, you know, racing is, is not correct. For us, it's always been a question of of timing, and that timing is probably pretty darn, darn close. Yeah. Well, well, look, I'll ask you about this, and you can choose not to answer, and I'll understand why, because I know that there is something big coming, and you obviously don't want to, you want to keep your powder dry, and you want to make the announcement at the right time, in mm-hmm. the right place, and I fully, fully understand that, and I think listeners would too. But is there anything you can tell us about what, what Swift is planning for racing, even in the, even in the broadest terms? Um, well, we're going to have a very exciting um, racing series coming this winter. Um, but I think there are, there are some bigger things on the horizon that I, it's just too early to say. Yeah. But super, super exciting. Um, and there's no um, secret that you know, we've had conversations with the likes of the UCI and uh, you, I think it was back in, back in September when they made some comment about e-racing. Um, those are all true. Um, we've been speaking to the UCI for, for months now. Um, and again, it's all about how do we, how do we create a sport out of, out of, uh, on, on the back of the platform that we've built. So there are a lot of exciting um, discussions happening, and we're... Um, we think it's just a it's a great opportunity to make a potentially um, create a sport that is both super affordable and accessible. I mean, I can't think of an, another sport that you can do from the comfort of your home yeah. and compete with a global, you know, community. It just doesn't exist. But but you know, to finally put this one to rest, Zwift is. F- Fully behind racing. Absolutely, um, racing is is part of the DNA that comes from me and Mike McCarthy and Charlie Eisendorf and many others. Um, it's just not what we led the business with, because that is not the core of the business. But it's still a very important part of the business. And what we want to do is just flip it now and say like, let's make it the most affordable, most accessible sport. Okay, well, we know there's much, much more to come on that, so we'll leave that for the time being. Eric, BlackBerry, MySpace, Nokia, I mean, there's a long history in tech of of the first movers losing the advantage and and then vanishing, and either being wiped out by rivals or fading from from prominence or getting something wrong. Is that a risk for Zwift, do you feel? Um, I I don't, I don't... well, I hope not. That's the answer. I hope not. I think we have to keep uh, a watch of the landscape, the tech landscape. You know, we need to understand what the consumer behavior is. Um, I think there are plenty of examples of those who were category leaders and are still in that leading position, whether it's Amazon or, or Google with their particular search 
um, or uh, yeah, even Microsoft. I mean, these are still very, very successful businesses. So there are you know, plenty of examples of, uh, of, the, of those. The, the yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, but I think the lesson is that you have to, you have to um, um, just keep an eye on what, what is happening in the landscape. Um, I mean, if you don't see big trends, then this is where you get caught out. Yeah. Just say a rival, any one of them, did become successful or, or did become enough of perhaps an annoyance that you felt you needed to take some action. Would you consider acquiring a rival? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think so because what are we really buying, right? Mm. Uh, there's very little... There's probably too much product over overlap, so I don't th- that that doesn't keep me up at night. Right. <laughs> Finally, now we're, we're we're getting to the end of this. I mean, I run this unedited, and 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 for a good reason, really, because you know this is a wide ranging conversation. You're very very generous with your time. You 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 answer the questions that are put to you, and this this is the final section. So we're nearly there, listeners. Um, you know, it's a long list in this, but I do think it's valuable to to, to have such a unconstrained and kind of unedited interview with you. Um, as, as the community and, and the company indeed matures, um, the community in particular is inevitably, as you've already referred to, splitting into cohorts or tribes. I mean, for let's call them there's the new Zwifters, experienced Zwifters and, and veteran Zwifters, and they all have differing needs. Then there's triathletes, there's runners and maybe soon rowers, there's fitness riders, workout riders, racers. I mean, you know, you, you, can, you, can, you can segment up Zwifters now. I mean, some will appear in several segments, but there are a, a, quite a large number of, of, diff, of Zwifters with differing needs. How much time do you devote to thinking how well you service each one of those segments? Probably not enough. And we've started to organize our company internally to align with those you know communities um, because we do have to service and from from beginning to end and so uh, the marketing team has already sort of um, created itself in silos of whether it's cycling versus try versus running um, the product is sort of going in that way as well just by the individuals that we're hiring to run different initiatives um, so uh, so yeah, absolutely. And we're trying to make sure as we hire, we have the right mix of people who bring you know, that domain expertise. So you're saying actually, interestingly, that you're beginning to structure the company in, almost in the way that the yeah, community yeah, divides absolutely. itself up. We have to, otherwise it's just hard to stay focused. So we're hiring someone just to focus on, okay, you're in charge of you know, growing the running space. Mm-hmm. Right, and then someone else. I think the second step is okay. Now you're in charge of making sure that those, those the the runners stay engaged throughout the year. Yes. So the you know what are all the content programs that we have to implement? So there's um, yeah we, we are trying to align ourselves so that it is more in tune with the with the way the community is is you know organizing itself. I think we've probably covered this in, in the kind of communications section, but there are, there are these different voices in the Zwift community. The, the loudest ones are probably the ones that have been around longest. But ironically, they're probably the smallest section of the community. I mean, what we never see, we see all the public stuff, but we never see the emails that come into you, or we never hear from the people who get on Zwift, 
ride for an hour, are fantastically happy, but you never hear from them. But you do get these, these siren voices. Do you consider internally how much weight you attach to to those, to the views of those siren voices? And I think the reason this is an interesting question is because they can sometimes, I'm sure, be quite annoying to you, those siren voices. But actually, ironically, also, they're the, they're the evangelists. They're the ambassadors. Absolutely. They're the ones yeah. who help yeah. sells with. Yeah. So how do, how do you kind of balance that response? Well, we always have to do a, um, a sense check. Uh, we have to bear in mind that the community on Facebook is just a fraction mm a small fraction of the overall community, yeah. right? Most people are not on Facebook, in fact. Um, so that we have to take that into account. Now, I love it when I hear, you know, a highly engaged person on social media who's not even an active Zwifter. <laughs> but, I, you know, my feeling is like, wow, that's great because it would be way worse if someone just quietly left. So I'd rather have, you know, all the all the engagement, whether it's good or bad, coming out of out of social media, because you know th- we need to hear that. But uh, on balance, yeah, we do take it pretty seriously, you know, um, and and um, we try to process that, and we try to see if this this particular concern is is cutting th- across, you know, thousands of users, and if it is, and you know, perhaps we should take action, you know quicker than, than, than later. So, so it does um, have an effect? Absolutely, it does. It does, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in the thick of it, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I probably spend a couple of hours just finding out, okay, what are people yeah. saying and yeah. what are things that, you know, someone is raising that I need to let my team know. That's very interesting. You've just, of course, invited more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, you know. There's there's noise. There's also noise, right? Yeah. But there's some real there's some there's some signal too. Yeah, there's some real, you know, I think valid points being. Just finally on the community, I mean, what's your vision for the community? I mean, are you planning new features and tools and integrations yeah. that can that can enhance and deepen the relationship? I, I, t- I tell this to my team all the time. I said. We are literally getting in the way of our community. We are, you know, if we empower the community with the right set of tools, they can flourish. They can, they can help us grow. So, like, what are those tools that we need to give to our community? You know, what are the things that they're asking for? And because we should think of ourselves more, you know, in one instance, as a, as a platform, you know, that people would like to use to organize themselves. So what are those tools? And so, yes, those are very much on our, you know, high priority on our roadmap because we're holding back our own growth by not unlocking, you know, uh, our community and, and all, but with all the things that they want to do with, with, uh, with their own community or sub-communities. So, you know, what tools so they can create their own events, you know, um, I it's can't, all coming. It, it is coming. It's not coming, you know, like in the next couple of months, but this is a, a probably a six month project. Okay. Um, but it's not just even our, our community. It's our partners saying like, Hey, we want to, we want to do more on your platform. But like we tell them like, well, we've got these other things you're going to have to get online. Right. We need to just unlock all of that and, and, and get rid of all the bottleneck that we are creating for ourselves by investing 
in in the platform and in the in the tool set that we we'd like to give to the to the community. Yeah. Two two final questions. Is Swift still a startup? Whatever a startup is. I don't think so. I don't think that. I certainly don't want our team to think we're we're a startup. We're we're growing, um, but we're definitely not. I mean, we're still young. We're definitely not a startup with more resources, whether that's capital or people. Our own expectation of what we deliver to to our customers goes up. Has to. And finally, and you're not allowed. To, we've discussed this. We discussed. We had just had a bit of lunch. We discussed it over lunch. You're not allowed to say jet lag. What <laughs> What keeps you awake at night, Eric? Um. What keeps me up at night, apart from jet lag, which is often the case, um, is making the wrong investment decision. Like I, you know, we have to be really careful. If we only can do a few things, and those are big bets. These are bets where you might not see a payoff for two years. So if you get it wrong, it's very, very painful. And what would be an example of that? So running, for running, example, for example? Like running, right? So, running, for example, running, like running, right? Okay, we place a bet. We do all the research, place a bet. We spend millions of dollars trying to get this thing off the ground. It doesn't work. That's a very painful exercise. So we need to make sure that we place. That, that, that's what keeps up. It keeps me up at night sometimes. It's like, you know, is that the right investment to make? Yeah. And I, I'd like to think that, um, that I'm surrounded by enough intelligent people that we're going to do this not on emotion, but based on you know facts and data and all the all the learnings that we have from the last five years, that the probability of success is is pretty high. There is just one more question. Okay. it's the traditional. It's the, tra- more, it's, no, it's the traditional. <laughs> the traditional last one. Uh, I know you. I think you Swift daily. I think you start your days Swifting. What what what's your FTP, Eric, at the moment? Well, you know. I don't know and I don't want to know because I'm afraid to test myself. Um, I, I, here, here comes the excuses, right? <laughs> um, I have been traveling quite a lot. And um, I did have a bad bike fall back in June. Yeah. Um, and that really knocked me off for a bit. And then since then, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, I've been riding but not training. The two different things. Yeah. So my overall fitness is good. But my, my threshold is not something I've been focused on. And I recently broke ribs. And so I've got plenty of excuses why. <laughs> so, so it sounds like, sounds like the answer to that question is, is the Probably same not. as mo- most Swifters would give, which is not as high as I'd like it to be. Yeah, but you know how it is, right? All, of, all, of, all the Swifters, um, we all think we're faster than we really are. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and we all look better than we probably are just through the game. <laughs> okay. Well, you did actually, you did open the doors for one, one very last question. So okay. I will, I'll just go back and I think I'm going to ask this one actually. We've dealt with this 12 month subscription, which was, you've explained was, is, 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 a, is a, basically a gift card. Where do you stand on an annual subscription for Swifters? Again, this is a much, much requested yeah. feature. I think we'll have to take another look at it, but our feeling is um, we want to earn that that fee every month. And what you what happens with an annual fee is you can get lazy. You get lazy as a company. As a company, yeah, because you're locking customers in. Um, those both those who are engaged and those who are not. So um, 
I think year over year, if we see that we're improving engagement during those months that they previously pause, it means that something's working. And all that could be, you know, can potentially be hidden by. So you're really saying a monthly fee keeps you honest? Absolutely. I, I don't, I don't, is there, there's a reason why Spotify, Netflix, they only have monthly products. They don't have annual products. And then also, um, um, yeah, just, you know, it, it, says, it says something about the confidence of our business. That we okay. don't have to lock you in from, for a year, even on a discounted basis. Okay, but, okay, but, but well, I was going to say there's another way of doing it. And, and it sounds like we're harking on about this one particular thing, yeah. but I know it's of interest to Zwifters. How about if you just reward somebody then for paying 12 consecutive monthly fees, which have kept I think market? I think that there's a valid point to that. I think the whole concept of rewards is something that we need to take a hard look at. And that is a better approach. So you're looking at it? Yeah. No, we are. We, we, rewards is something that we need to figure out. Yeah. And it may not be monetary. It could be digital. It could be, you know, whatever. Um, but it's something that we, we, we need to focus on. Okay, well, that really is it. Um, it's, it's well over an hour, but I do think it's a fantastic insight into the way Eric thinks and the way that Zwift works and, and lots and lots of questions that I hope listeners have, 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 have enjoyed me putting to you. Just remains, really, Eric, for me to thank you. You know, you're very, very generous with your time. There have been no restrictions, I can assure listeners, on what I've been permitted to ask. The only censorship has been self-censorship, and I don't think it really is censorship. <laughs> I've kind of explained why I've not... Uh, why I've not asked those when are we getting X questions because they're just a bit pointless really well, so yeah. I just want to say thank you very much for, for putting no restrictions on and being very generous with your time and answering both my questions and questions that came from the community thanks very much Eric yeah thank you Simon and I can tell you that I'm super excited about having this very interview 12 months from now <laughs> it's in the diary thank you <laughs> thank you very much Eric And that's it. Where will we be in a year's time in the land of Swift? Well, you know where to come back to find out. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As I think was obvious during our conversation, there were no restrictions placed on me by Eric or by Swift. There were no PR people present. It was a one-to-one conversation with Eric and myself. And there was no influence put on me to include or uninclude anything that you heard during that discussion. Thanks for listening. See you next time.